this morning we are in Psalm 22, and we will take up verse 14 of this passage. I think sometimes it is kind of difficult to remember that as we, as you read the Psalms, and especially you're in a section where it seems either terribly sad or perhaps like in this particular psalm that it's dealing with the death of Christ to remember that these were things that were actually set to music. These were things which they were they were singing in days gone by and of course as we do here as well. So it is one of those things you have to keep that in mind as you read the scripture and especially this section that these were things that the church down through the ages have used to sing praises Unto God, We wouldn't think that at first, but this is what this is. And so not only is it didactic or a teaching as well, but these are the ways in which we praise God. We return our praise and thanksgiving unto him by singing these particular things. And so when we come to Psalm 22, it's no different. And as we read something of the agonies of the cross and the sufferings of our Lord and, and the scorning that uh, men were doing unto him at this point, it's still that which we are to use uh, to sing praises uh, to the Lord. So let's uh, think of it in that light this morning. But Psalm 22 and verse 14 is our text. And here Jesus says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. Now, at this point of our Lord's words upon the cross, he turns from his enemies that he's been observing and the scorning in which they had been giving him, and he turns now and begins to reflect upon his own personal sufferings. He gives, in the words of our text, his condition as he is experiencing the effects of the crucifixion. And how terrible... Uh, this must have been. Think of all the pain and the agony that our Lord was going through because of this terrible way of death. In fact, the cru- a crucifixion or the crucifixion was a most painful as well as a shameful way of death. One would suffer for hours in extreme torments before the person would have actually So they lingered on for hours in great pain and in great torment. So great was the agonies, great was the sufferings, great was the pain that was caused by this form of punishment. I guess we would call this today or classify it as cruel and unusual punishment. Now, someone may conclude, well, they're obviously worse ways or worse forms of punishment, worse forms of dying. And of course, those who might say that probably have never experienced being crucified. But I would have to say this would be one of the most terrible ways to suffer, uh, and especially suffering here as our Lord did, because he was innocent. All of this is being brought upon him, not because of anything of himself, but because of the sins of his people and the sins of those who were uh, punishing him, even though he was innocent. One thing for certain, though, it is that it was prophesied that this was going to take place. This was 
no new news as far as the scripture is concerned. We read several texts in the Bible before this period and afterwards and then also during uh, our Lord's public ministry. But in Deuteronomy 21, for instance, in verse 23, it says, His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is cursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. The Apostle Paul uses this and he interprets this as that was speaking of the Lord Jesus. Because he writes in Galatians 3 verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Not only that, even our Lord said as much in John's gospel. John chapter 12, you remember he said, I and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. When he uses that phrase, I be lifted up, he was in referencing that to his cross that he was about ready to go to. And we know this for a fact because John in the next verse accounts it so. He says, this he said, signifying what death he should die. And not only that, in the third chapter of the book of John, we read in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up. So once again, that's a, that was a prophecy of what was coming of the Lord Jesus dying there on the cross. So, it's also, actually that very verse I just quoted there in John chapter 3 and verse 14, we know that that was taken or referencing there to that passage in the book of Numbers chapter 21 and verse 9 where Moses was instructed to take a brass serpent, an image of it, and to place it upon the pole and that pole was to be lifted up. And all those of the Israelites who had been bitten by the serpents if they were to look, the Bible says that they were to live. So that was just another instance then of the manner by which our Lord's death was to take place upon the cross. And at this point in of our psalm, in Psalm 22 verse 14, our Lord here, as I said, describes something of his condition. Now I think he's using, again, physic, phys, uh, figurative language but nonetheless, it is pointing to something that's very real that's going on uh, in this particular time of his crucifixion. So I want us to look at the three ways that by which our Lord Jesus here speaks of this uh, regarding a description of his sufferings. Again, he says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. So what is he saying here when he utters those words there upon the cross? Well, his first description listed there in the passage, as he says here, I am poured out like water. Now, there are several things that this can denote. It's not just one thing, but the scriptures would point to us several things that this can speak of. For instance, the idea of being discarded, like you would throw something out. Here he talks about, uh, he said he's poured out like water. In the book of Leviticus chapter 4, verse 12, speaking of uh, uh, throwing out the, 
the ashes of the heifer that or the bullock that was to be or that had been burned. It says, even the whole bullock shall he carry forth without the camp unto a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn him on the wood of, with fire where the ashes are poured out shall he be burnt. So in other words, they were just being discarded. There was no good for them after this point. And this, of course, would be applicable to our Lord in his crucifixion. In verse 1, you remember he speaks there about God, his Father, abandoning him. That God disregarded him. That God had cast him out, cast him away. He was forsaken there by God. He was disregarded by the Lord himself. Also, it can speak of how that one in great extremity would reveal some strong emotion, a teleforce, for instance, of, of some great sorrow and how that we would mournfully cry out, perhaps. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 15, you remember when Hannah was there at the temple and she was praying and she was praying because she wanted a child and, of course, she was sad because she couldn't have one at this point. And there, uh, the other wife was of course, badgering her. And, it, and this created strong emotional effects in, in her. And so she voiced that unto the Lord. And we read there, And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. So we see that phrase there dealing with the idea of a very emotional moment here with Hannah. And it was showing forth something of her great sorrow. And again, this is applicable to the Lord Jesus as he's in the midst of his torments and in his sorrows. He cries forth unto the Lord. Thirdly, it represents like the sacrifices in the law of Moses that were given to God. An offering was given up. In Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 27 we read there of the fact that how that those things were poured out or offered up. And of course, we know that would fit the Lord Jesus as he here at this point in his great sufferings for sin was an offering, of course, poured out unto the Lord. In the book of, uh, of Isaiah chapter, uh, 50, chapter 53, excuse me, and verse 12, we know that he says there that his soul was made an offering for sin. When he was there upon the cross, that was the sacrifice that the Lord himself received of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Christ, as you know, was the Lamb of God that was offered up for the sins of his people to put away sin forever. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, one of these days we might get over there as we're expounding through this book. But in the ninth chapter, in chapter 9 and verse 11, beginning there, he says, But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, Neither by blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkled the, sprinkling the unclean sanctify through the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, 
who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God to purge our conscience or your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So him being poured out here was a type or a picture of him suffering for our sins as a sacrifice. And then fourthly, being poured out also speaks of God's wrath descending upon those who were sinful, those who were wicked. So we see here that being poured out has to do with God's wrath from heaven upon sin and ungodliness. Again, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 20. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, mine anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place, upon man and upon beasts and upon the trees of the field and upon the fruit of the ground, and it shall burn and shall not be quenched. In Revelation 14 and 10, where it's speaking there of the wrath of God coming upon sinful men. He says, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And was not our Lord Jesus the object of God's wrath and God's fury and God's anger? You see, in God's great wrath, he poured out his anger upon the Lord Jesus there on the cross. And like Christ was angry, when, remember when he dealt with the, uh, uh, those, the money changers who were profiling, profaning the house of God there in John chapter 2, verse 15. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove out all, the, drove out, all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out, he says, the changers' money and overthrew the tables. So here we see something of the zeal here of Christ in doing that. Well, in this as well, in Christ on the cross, we see God's zeal in punishing His Son. Because we know in Isaiah again, in chapter 53, in verse 11 and 12, He shall see the travail of His soul and shall be satisfied. By His knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto his death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. So what a perfect picture this is of our Lord's suffering for sin. Now, I don't want to keep going on this because we don't want to take it any further than, of course, that the Scripture does. But you notice he goes on to say there, not only was he poured out, but he says here that he was poured out like water. Like water. Not only was he just poured out, but he was poured out like water. What does that say to us here? What was the Scripture pointing out when he, when he mentions things like that? Well, it could have reference upon his physical body no doubt the sufferings he bore from from man and of course and from god and this of course can be seen uh as it deals with the idea that his body was spent as he's there upon the cross you remember he had been beaten he had been scourged and then he was finally taken to the cross and crucified there and certainly then he would have been very tired he would have been very worn he'd been very stricken 
And all the stress that was upon him, seeing the scorn that was going on by the men there, all the stress of all the pain and the suffering that would have taken, of course, their toll upon the Lord. All of his strength, as it were, drained out of him. His lack of sleep, his lack of rest. You remember he had been up all night. They were keeping him up at his trials that he had went through. You hear that phrase sometime from someone who's well spent or, or uh, very tired. It will, will say something like, we are weak as water. Or you see, our Lord was poured out like water. And our Lord Jesus here being a real man, as we've often talked about, he would have been subject then to the weaknesses and the infirmities that all of us have in our flesh. And just as we would have been tired if we'd have stayed up all night, or we would have been tired and wasted if we'd have been beaten and scourged and finally nailed to the cross, and as we were hanging there for hours, certainly we would have been tired. So the greatness of his pain and the grief would have exhausted him. So yes, he was poured out like water. And to think about it, he was also contemplating his upcoming death here in just a matter of time. It will be this day that he will die. You remember he had told the thief on the cross, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Jesus knew that his time was up. He was going to be facing that last enemy that is upon all men. In 2 Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 14 and verse 14, He says, for we must needs die and are as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. See how nicely that fits in? How the Lord Jesus and his agonies and his sorrows would be very tired and wasted And as he's now viewing his upcoming death here, and he says then, I am poured out like water. For we must needs all die, he says, and are as water spilt on the ground. So that's the first phrase. I am poured out like water. And then notice, secondly, he goes on to describe something here. He says, and all my bones are out of joint. All my bones are out of joint. So now he's speaking in this relationship. All my bones are out of joint. Again, this would of course be speaking of the gruesome effects of the cross. And it's talking about this this idea of his bones being torn out of joint. His bones being separated from the sockets in which they are naturally placed in. You know, our bones are normally where they belong. And of course, if you're playing some sport or you're doing something very rigorous, you know, sometimes your, your bones or your shoulder or your elbow can be pulled out of joint. And it's a very painful thing, is it not? And here our Lord says that all my bones are out of joint, or uh, yes, out of joint. They've been ripped 
from their place. The ligaments that one held them in place has now been torn asunder, you see. My bones are separated, pulled out of place. Now, when he says this, this could be a real thing because this certainly would have taken place. So this could be in reference to his actual bones really being pulled out of their sockets. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying it certainly could mean that. You know, as the force of his body, as he was nailed to the cross, and that cross, of course, been lifted up and then placed into the hole in order to hold it up. I'm sure those soldiers weren't doing this in a not well we don't want to hurt you so we're going to you know we're going to lightly put you into the hole the, the bottom of the pole and the hole that's not how it went they would have just let it drop and then the sheer force of it stopping would have jerked his body and then not only that the force of his body and of course gravity as he was hanging there upright on the cross for hours pulling his bones out of their sockets, out of the natural place that would be in the body. We notice in verse 17, he will say this, and I think this is speaking of his literal suffering. He says, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. And of course, all this would have been something that would have caused great and tremendous pain as well. But I don't necessarily think it's physically here that he's referring to, though, of course, that would have taken place. But I think these words actually denote something of, again, of his weakened condition, how he was powerless at this point, unable to help himself. After all, he's helpless there on the cross. He's, he's nailed to the cross, his hands and his feet are literally attached to the wood. Psalm 6, verse 2, as we see it's used in a spiritual way by David in that psalm of, of, uh, of where he's repenting. He says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O heal me, for my bones are vexed. In other words, the very inside of David, because of his sin, had caused such great havoc upon him. The book of Daniel also speaks of this. It says, Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. Again, this would have had reference as he's viewing all the terrible things that are taking place upon him on the cross. And perhaps both are meant here. Both in a physical sense as well in a figurative or a spiritual sense. This is going on. And then the third thing I want us to notice is that last description that he gives us here. He says, my heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of of my bowels. So this is the last description, at least in this passage. And I think here it references something of his dismay, 
his fear that it was going on. Now again, I don't say this that he was sinning in any way whatsoever, but as he was truly human, this would have been speaking something of his weakness that he was experiencing. That as he was suffering, he would have had the same types of fears and thoughts and sorrows and agonies that we would have. If we were nailed upon the cross and if we were suffering these things, plus you got to remember, he's also bearing all the sins of his people being laid upon him. Someone who was sinless, someone who had never had a sinful thought a sinful word or a sinful deed, and then having all of the load of our sins, all of the wickedness that all of his elect have ever committed and laid upon him. Is it any wonder, he says, my heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. So he was subject then to all of our passions and emotions and sorrows and infirmities and pains. And as such then, he had the weaknesses that he suffered. Joshua 7 verse 5 says, And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So as Ai here is seeing the the destruction of their people, they're fearful, they realize, and they're dismayed. They realize that they've lost. They realize that they're in deep trouble. And they cry out, or they're shown here that the joints of their loins were loosed and their hearts were melted like wax. And here, this is what our Lord is saying here. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. As wax, of course, melts in the, as it gets close to heat or is out in the sun, so did the heart of our Lord as he was experiencing here something of the wrath and of the fury of God himself. It speaks of another place in 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 10. And he also that is valiant, whose heart is as the heart of a lion, shall utterly melt. For all Israel knoweth that my father is a mighty man, and they which be with him are valiant men. It's being speaking of when the children of Israel, of course, will face the, the Philistines and see that they're outnumbered and, and they... Because they are valiant, the people of God will cause them to wax weak in the midst of all of that. Ezekiel chapter 22 says, Can thine heart endure, or can thine hands be strong in the days that I shall deal with thee? I, the Lord, have spoken it and will do it. Can our hearts endure? When God begins to pour out his wrath. Did Christ's heart endure? Well, it did to a point. But he was suffering the temptations that all of us would have had. John Gill wisely observes, if the heart of Christ 
the lion of the tribe of Judah melted at it, that is of God's wrath. What heart can endure or hands be strong when God deals with them in His wrath? Here's bold man thinking that, ah, yeah, I'll... I'll stand there and give God my two cents here. I'm going to tell Him what I really think of Him, of His creation and what all He's done and how He runs this. No, their hearts will be like wax melted. If the Lord Jesus' heart melted like wax, what are we going to say a puny man as he stands before God? Our Lord here is describing his terrible pains and his sorrows and temptations. Again, same language. Deut- uh, John or Job 23, verse 16. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Psalm 31, 10. For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. Again, and again, we see this kind of language in Scripture. Yet in all of this, we know our Lord Jesus did endure, did He not? He didn't give up. He didn't stop. He didn't finish and say, I'm done. He stayed with it. And as well, in all of this, our Lord still sought comfort and strength in His God. Remember who He's speaking to here. Remember, He's not speaking to the crowd in any of this. He again is talking to His Father. And here again is another one of those arguments that He's given here as to why He should be heard. Why God should grant His request. Why God should come back and own Him. Because of all of these things that are coming upon him. So he seeks God out for strength and for comfort and for solace. And he does all of this in hope and in confidence. Again, what a great example that is to us in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our sorrows and our agonies, that we turn to God. Realizing He is our hope, our confidence, our strength. When things ain't what they ought to be, as we think, we can turn to Him. After all, He's the one who's put these things upon us. Yeah, it could be for our own foolishness, no doubt. But they come upon us because of His doings. So our Lord here is speaking to His God with hope and confidence. Psalm 73, verse 26 says, My flesh and my heart faileth. And I think Christ could be saying that here at this point, don't you think? My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So here is the mighty Lord hanging between heaven and earth, suffering greatly, and yet His hope, His confidence, The strength and his portion is in God. Admitting here all of this. You see, in in man's mind, in the carnal mind, this is all contradictions, is it not? My heart and my flesh faileth. 
So the, you know, the idea, why go on? Why, why do anything? But the psalmist goes, no. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The very opposite of what we think by nature, is it not? How different then is the Bible and spiritual thinking than man's wisdom, which is nothing more than foolishness and their doings. Well, we'll stop there. And next time, Lord willing, we'll take up with verse 15 and see some more of his description of his sufferings for us. So we'll stop there and we'll meet back again at 11 and we'll have another service. So may God bless that to us this morning. Amen.